Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Really pleased to have you with us. We have a great lineup of guests today. Uh, before I get into that, I want to mention that uh, we have a, a couple new things to uh, offer you out there listening. If you're thinking about your business and how to protect your family, uh, I've written a book called Business Continuity, Five Steps to Protect Your Family. It's available free as a download if you want to get it that way uh, at uh, a website www.5stepbook.com otherwise you can find it on Amazon for 10 bucks but I think the free version works nicely don't you uh, you, uh, you we've, we've been working a lot on helping business owners we've interviewed over a thousand advisors on the show and you can find all of their archives at exitcoachradio.com my first guest this morning is uh, Krishna Pendalaya and uh, Krishna uh, Pendayala I should say Krishna Pendayala is the uh, CEO, the founder and chief empowerment officer of Choice Ladder Institute in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's been a guest on our show before. He's also a Vistage speaker. So if you're listening and you belong to a Vistage group or you're the chair of a Vistage group, um, look up Krishna Pendayala as a speaker for your group. Uh, Krishna is the is in the business of strengthening the weakest link in an organization and, again, is the founder and chief empowerment officer of the Choice Ladder Institute, which offers workshops and keynote addresses to equip people with the skills needed to exercise better judgment and make wiser choices. And his topic for today is, can you trust your team? So, Krishna, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Bill. Great to be with you. Krishna, it's an interesting topic that we're going to talk about. I don't hear that phrase very often. Before we get into that, give us a little bit more background as to how you decided to start the Choice Ladder Institute and what it's all about. Be happy to. In fact, I've had a very interesting career. I started out as a civil engineer, and because I didn't want to be replaced by a computer, I wanted to look at uh, disciplines that could not be easily replaced by a computer. So I had the love of photography, and I came to the United States in 1984 and did a master's in television and film, and I always enjoyed teaching. And the computers were just entering the field of education back in the mid-'80s, and I loved videos. So I got into the cutting edge of multimedia back in '87 and started my first company called Visual Symphony, which the whole goal there was to find a place where people enjoyed coming to work because the first job I had, I absolutely hated going to work. So my motivation to start my first company was primarily to create an environment where people enjoyed coming to work. I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about accounting. So while people enjoyed coming to work, we didn't make any money. So that's a lesson in itself. We accomplished our goal that we set out, but we didn't have the business background to uh, but it was a humongous learning experience, and I started my second company in a video search area based on how you search for in Google. We created the same technology for videos. And all along, uh, I worked 
the super time and uh, ignored my family. So finally, my two-year-old started to disown me, if you can even imagine that. When I came back from a <laughs> business trip, she would stand in a corner for 45 minutes. Uh. And after the third time, I noticed that I thought I didn't want to have to pay her shrink bills the rest of my life. So <laughs> I thought I needed to make a huge change. The first wake-up call I never even noticed, in fact, made a joke of it. When my son used to be asked, where's dad, he would point to the phone because he heard me more through the speakerphone than in person. And most people laughed about that. But I think looking back, that was my first signal that I didn't even notice. Then came the second one, which was much more obvious when my daughter went and stood at the same corner 45 minutes every time I came back from a trip. So I quit my job, my own company, my second one, and now I didn't know what to do. I always enjoyed teaching, but I didn't know what subject because I'd been an engineer, so I could teach the whole sciences. I could teach photography, which I actually taught for five years at a community college. So now I'm really confused, what do I teach? And I chose life. So I trained myself to be a life coach. At the same time, I didn't want to get go into private practice and get one client at a time. So I happened to bump into a financial advisor on a plane, and we became friends. And uh, long story short, uh, I became his coach. And then one day, he was in the right place at the right time to grow. And I had grown two companies really well. So I told him, I'll be happy to grow your business as long as you allow me to be a life coach to each of your employees. And we made that deal, so I became the chief operating officer and coach at a very uh, small, at that time, financial advisor. And we grew it over 600% in nine years through the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009. So it was a very successful endeavor, and I had the opportunity to finish my book, which I started in '98 and which finally got published in 2011 called Beyond the Pig and the Ape, uh, Realizing Success and True Happiness, where the pig and the ape are not just animals, they're also acronyms for pursuing instant gratification is the pig and avoiding painful experiences is the ape. And if you come from a background in uh, anywhere, I think if we are unaware of the pig and ape we all carry around with us, they will run our lives. And especially in the financial services, we say, right, buy low, sell high. Why does that happen? We always do the opposite because our pig and apes are running the show, fear and greed. That publishing of the book actually put me at a crossroads, Bill. What happened was I was working full-time, so I didn't do the typical roadshow, book author tour, so on and so forth. So I didn't really launch it. I said I leaked it out. So, But the nice thing is, given the Internet and word of mouth, it got around and I started to get about one email a month from some person who said how it had changed their life. And now I was at the true crossroads. Do I work where I am, helping multimillionaires figure out their lives, or should I work more with the disadvantaged? And there was one incident that happened which really solved that, answered the choice, made that choice for me, so to speak. A gentleman called me or sent an email saying, will you have lunch with me if I drive to Pittsburgh? And he's from Washington, D.C., which is a four-and-a-half-hour drive one way. I was 50 years old, and nobody else had asked me such a 
good, I mean, phenomenal question until that point. I was touched, but I told him that's a very long way to drive for lunch. He said it would mean a lot if he, if I took, uh, offered him that opportunity. I said, why don't you come for dinner? So he showed up and uh, told me he had lost his job. Actually, he was in the financial services industry. He had a mm-hmm. battle with depression. And then how uh, my book brought him peace. So I was very grateful for him driving all the way just to tell me that. And I was going to pick up the check at the end of dinner, and he said, I can't let you do that. And when I pushed him, he said, Krishna, my sister committed suicide last year, and your book brought me peace. Mm. When I heard that, Bill, I still get goosebumps every time I repeat it because that nailed it for me. I said, this is what I need to be doing. So I took a three-year sabbatical. I just quit my job. Luckily, I had enough saved up for three years. And I just said, I'm going to see what shows up. And three weeks into it, uh, Congressman Tim Ryan asked me to launch and start a nonprofit called Mindful Nation to help people de-stress and take better care of themselves and uh, improve their uh, quality of life, which kind of fell in my lap. And we focused last three years. I worked pro bono for Mindful Nation, working with veterans, dealing with post-traumatic stress, teachers with burnout, business people with burnout, healthcare workers with burnout, children with attention issues, and uh, organizational leaders with inspiring them why it makes sense to create a more compassionate organization where everybody gets to thrive. And that's really what I've done. And through that experience, meeting all these people, traveling all over the country and actually the world, I felt there is one thing that nobody is teaching, which is usually what gets us into the trouble we we get into, which is nobody is teaching how to help people make better choices or improve their judgment. We rely solely on the school of trial and error, and which is not bad. But it takes too long and can be very expensive. If we think about college tuition being high, the cost of mistakes are very high as well. So that kind of a quick background or a long background of how I got here, Bill. That's a great story, you know, and it's uh, it always reminds me that uh, often the road to Nirvana goes right through Crazy Town. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. <laughs> so, so uh, you know. Back to the subject matter. It's a great story, and it's it's uh, you know it's it's the entrepreneurial story. You were trying something; it was eating up. You you learned from it that you you had a lot of fun. And you built a great team, but but you weren't making any money. You move on to something else; it consumes your life. You move on to something else. Bingo! You find a fit uh, as a result of of uh, circumstances coming together. Beautiful story. Now I often hear the question, Krishna: Can you trust your leaders? But it's not often that I hear, can you trust your team? And that's, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. So can you expand on that? Absolutely. In fact, uh, uh, given the theme of your show, Bill, where it's about exit for baby boomers and people who are trying to transition to another phase of their life, what really creates lasting value that goes beyond the founder is the ability of the organization not to survive but thrive in their absence. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. It's something we preach all the time. You need to you need to you need to trust your team because they're gonna be here when you're when you're gone. And 
also what you'll find is most entrepreneurs also are dominant and many of them are type A and many of them are control freaks. So what happens when you put all these things into the mix and when they get started, they are more risk friendly and as they build a base, there's more to lose. So while you grow and the firm or organization becomes bigger, what happens is you start, the fear begins to increase if you don't monitor very carefully because there's a lot more to lose. And what I find is fear is a very, uh, sometimes can motivate you, but it usually gets in the way because you make the wrong choices. So if fear starts to control your life, you'll start to control everything so that you're now playing not to lose, so to speak. And if you're into sports, you know what happens when you play not to lose. I think recently you saw what happened in the Masters with a five- or seven-stroke lead playing not to lose made him lose, right? Yeah, yes, yes. And so coming back to what we are discussing today, can you trust your team? Because what happens is as you add people, most of the time a lot of people add assistants. They don't really add competent people that they can trust their judgment. They add people to help and provide some assistance to take some load off your shoulders. If that's the mentality of the entrepreneur, then they will surround themselves with a bunch of assistants who run to that person to say, what do we do next? What do we do next? And sometimes it actually, for the ego of the entrepreneur, it feels really good. They're in charge. They are, they're running the ship. Everything looks good. So let me just switch from a uh, metaphor of the ship to the boat, uh, sorry, to the uh, bus. So I okay. always ask people, everybody has heard the metaphor of, do you have the right people on the bus, right? Jim Collins yes. did a, us yes. all a great favor by making us familiar with the bus. And for many years, I used to help people, entrepreneurs answer the next question, are they sitting in the right seats? Because just having the right people on the bus doesn't guarantee a successful trip because you want the right people in the right seats on the bus to make the whole journey a very enjoyable and thriving experience. Today, I'm focused on the driver of the bus, who is the entrepreneur or the business owner, and asking them a question. Are you looking forward when you drive the bus, or are you looking back or checking the rearview mirror all the time, what's going on in the back? That's mm-hmm. the question, question I'm asking, mm-hmm. which is, can you trust your team? If you're looking at the rearview mirror or at the back, that means you're not trusting your team. And that is the primary prerequisite for lasting value when, for example, when somebody values your firm, they're going to look at what all roles did you play. Do you, were you the CEO, the CFO, the, uh, you know, uh, the chiefs, uh, the rainmaker, whatever roles you put on, then when you leave or exit the firm, they got to find replacements for all those roles. Right. Which means they got to hire that many people because you were phenomenal. You did everything else. In fact, I can tell you, when I left the CEO position, we hired four people. We hired a controller. We hired a technology person. We hired a marketing person and an operations person. So there's four people that were there to replace one position. So you really want to figure out how you can expand to grow a bigger company. How do you create a team? Most of the time, you hire people, and in an interview process or a hiring process, 
you are able to better evaluate their technical skills or what I would call job-related skills, right? Can they do a spreadsheet? Can they do a programming exercise? Can they build a website? But when it comes to their judgment and choice-making ability, it's very difficult to determine that unless they're bomb in an interview process, how good they are. You can find out probably how bad they are. If they're terrible, you can probably figure it out. They showed up in jeans or something like that. That is a poor judgment, poor choice, depending on the kind of enterprise you are interviewing at. However, it is difficult to figure out do they have good judgment skills or good uh, decision-making skills. Only over time, you'll find out if they can. And I'm going to switch for a moment to figure out everybody talks about employee engagement, empowerment. How can you empower someone you don't trust, their judgment? And we've Mm -hmm. never really connected judgment skills. I've heard many entrepreneurs ask me, and that's why I started the Choice Ladder Institute, because they said, how can we teach people better judgment? And that's the focus. And I want to pause here to see if you have any questions, Bill. Yeah, well, I, I hear what you're saying. First, first of all, you have to create your team, and that creates some uh, some trust to be able to let go of some things, and, and then, like you say, empower your team. And we're going to hear more about that. Uh, but in your opinion, what constitutes trust, Krishna? Well, uh, first thing, as you said, Bill, when you hire your team, you want to give them some of your work, right? Your workload. You want to distribute your workload so that you can do more. That starts with primary what I would refer to as competence, job competence. Can they do the work? And you'll know pretty quickly, can or cannot they do the work. But the more invisible piece, which we don't talk about, we talk about things that are tangible. We talk about things that we can look at, we can put on a piece of paper. But the thing that we cannot see is their judgment and their choice-making ability. That's the piece that is an unknown, invisible, and therefore what I'm trying to help entrepreneurs and business people look at is keep evaluating your team members' capability to make good choices and exercise sound judgment. For example, in my first company, there was we, I hired brilliant people because we were working with cutting-edge technology. I was at Carnegie Mellon University, phenomenal school of computer science, hired wonderful people. Can you believe I had to bail one of them out of jail one night because of totally stupid judgment? What he really did was told he was living in somebody's house. Somebody was grateful for letting him stay there, and he stole their car. Mm. Wow. How How do you do something like that? And so he lost his home, he got into jail, and everything else. And interestingly, both of them worked in my company. Now look at the challenge the CEO, as I was the president of the firm, I need to deal with. So there is a uh, criminal issue, there is a work-related issue, really derails the whole flow of a firm when you have to deal with those kinds of issues. And those I would call extremely poor judgment. I would still rank him in the top. Uh, I'd give him a 10 on his technical competence. I'd give this gentleman about a zero or a minus on judgment. Yeah. Yeah, Krishna, unfortunately, we're running we're running short on time today and I want to get to this last question. Um based on your extensive experience, what are the consequences if this trust if the trust we're talking about can't be established? And we only have about 2 minutes left, so if you could uh give us some tips and Speed ideas in there. Happy to. 
So the first thing is things that we do not look for or monitor is the cost of supervision. I think supervision is a glorified word for babysitting. So if you raise, if you strengthen the weakest link or raise the bar for the lowest common denominator, you really pull down the cost of supervision while improving empowerment. And the neat thing about it is poor choices and poor judgment have a lot of expense that you normally don't have it in a spreadsheet, but by raising the team's ability to make exercise better judgment and make wiser choices will reduce both those costs, which I think will improve your bottom line right off the bat. And the key thing, how do you teach people this? It's really you don't teach them. They have to learn. So you have to create context for people to learn, not you tell them what to do. And most of the time we get confused between teaching and learning People think teaching means you tell them what they need to do in a more creative and more uh, interesting way. But really, the definition of learning that I like to use is you've got to create the context, provide some space for them to reflect, and get their own realization or an aha, which is what is really sticky. So that would be my tip. And the trap, in fact, my newsletter is called Tips and Traps, which is very aligned with your uh, you know, ideas and precautions. So the trap really is one of the best quotes I've heard from Mark Twain, which is goes something like this. What gets you in trouble isn't what you know. What really gets you in trouble is what you think is really true, which ain't so. And that to me is really. So blind spots are things that you don't know that you don't know. But mm-hmm. these are a whole lot worse than blind spots because you know for sure, or you think you know them for sure, which ain't so. So that would be the trap that really comes up that I would like to highlight for most people. And the smarter you are and more confident you are, this becomes the biggest trap of your life. Krishna, beautifully put, you you gave us a lot to think about and you shared with some some great entrepreneurial experiences that you've had and what you've learned along the way. And I want to... uh, tell everybody once again your book is called beyond the pig and the ape realizing success and true happiness it's available on amazon in both kindle and paperback and of course uh, krishna uh, pandeyala is available for speaking engagements and to talk to your business owner groups how what's the best way for them to get in touch with you if they'd like to get in touch with you krishna uh, thank you, Bill. The easiest way is to send me an email at krishna at com, and I'd love folks to check out com and get their own quick start guide to help them get into the zone of making better judgments. In fact, I call it learn the ABCDs of judgment, which is really increasing your awareness, beliefs, conditioning, and drives about how, what influences your choice making. Well, I sure appreciate you coming on the show. It's been great speaking with you again, and I look forward to the next time. Thank you very much. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after this, so please stay with us. Business owners, if you came back from lunch and there was a resignation letter on your desk, which employee would you really, really not want it to be from? What are you doing to prevent this from happening? At Exit and Retirement Strategies, we design plans that attract, motivate, and retain key employees. For a free consultation, call Bill Black, the Exit Coach, at 866-370-3774. Call today. 
Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 